0: Amen. Good morning, Hope. It is so good to be with you. Can we just give uh, God some praise for the worship team one more time? That was awesome. So good. Well, I want to welcome you in. My name is John Andersonen. I am one of the campus pastors at Hope Elam, our campus in the city. and it is so good to be with you here this morning. I want to welcome you in, whether you're in the room here at our West Des Moines campus or you're worshiping with us online, one of our many local sites or campuses, wherever you may be, welcome to Hope. We pray that you feel loved and welcomed and a part of our family here. We love it that you are here. It's been a while since I've been able to hang out with you here at the West Des Moines campus. It's been a couple years. I've been a little busy. Uh, we've been doing uh, this amazing church merger as God has brought together these two incredible churches, Hope Des Moines and Elam Christian Fellowship, to come together uh, at 25th and University to move into this, not new, uh, new to us, but not new by any means, this 125-year-old uh, amazing church building there right across from Drake University, and we could not be more excited to walk out this vision of racial unity and equality that God has Im- imparted to us as his church here in the greater metro area. And so it's been exciting to live that out together. And as of uh, November, that church merger, now we affectionately call Hope Elam, is officially one year old. So give God praise for that. Very, very exciting. In fact, uh, some of these pictures you see up on the screen are some of the, the life and times of Hope Elam over this last year. This big one up here in the corner, if you can see that, is a picture of a jam-packed, full Martin Luther King Jr. Day celebration that we had back in January. We're so excited uh, about that. Our best estimates would think that maybe that is the fullest that room has been since the mid-1900s. So we're very, very excited uh, about that. And yeah, you can, you can clap whenever you want, by the way. Um, What's more exciting than that is I will tell you this, not only that day when I stood up and addressed that crowd, but every single weekend that I stand up, it is not uh, remiss to me that I stand on the very stage in the exact same spot that Dr. King himself spoke at 63 years ago in that very worship center and spoke a message of, yeah, praise God, to, uh, to speak a message of love, overcoming hate. A message of light overcoming the darkness. And to stand on that stage and be able to share that exact same message is is unbelievable. And I will tell you this. More important to me than how many people are in that room is who's in that room. God cares about every single person. When I stand on that stage and preach and look out, I can tell you that I see the beloved community that Dr. King spoke about that's based on the vision of God's word. And I look out and literally... Right here in the middle of Des Moines, Iowa, I see black and white and brown and young and old and rich and poor and city and suburb and Republican and Democrat and everywhere in between, and yes, even Hawkeyes and Cyclones and Bulldogs, all in the same worship center worshiping together because at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. And I tell them this every single week, and I'll tell you, you better get used to that because it's a glimpse of heaven. So we better get used to it, amen? Praise God. One of our values as a church is that we are one body united in. Christ. We are one church, Hope, one faith, one baptism, one church. And so I'm so excited about what God is doing at Hope Elam and would invite you to come and experience that as a part of your Hope family. But because we are united in Christ, because we are one church family, I don't know if you know the people next to you or not this morning, but would you just humor me and turn to the person to your right or your left and say, hello, brother, hello, sister. Tell them that right now, wherever you're at, online. Hello, brother. Hello, sister. (laughs) I love I loved doing that because you can really, really tell who the introverts in the room are. <laughs> Just here for church, I don't wanna to talk to anybody, right? Well, I am so excited today. We're continuing this series of messages that we've been in at all of our campuses and local sites, wherever you've been. Our annual theme of God and us in real life. God and us in real life. And we're looking at all of our series this year. Everything we're preaching on is about the intersection of faith and daily life. To believe it or not that God's word has something to say about the unique challenges that we face, about the questions that come up in our lives, about the real life Circumstances that we find ourselves in. And in that spirit, it doesn't get any more real than this. Let's just get real since we're here in church. How are you doing today? Really, how are you doing? And I don't want the answer, and you don't have to shout it out. This is a rhetorical question, but uh, not the answer you think you should say not the answer that somebody comes up to you in the church lobby and you kind of nod at each other with that Lutheran nod as you're sipping your coffee. How's everything? It's that dangerous four-letter word that people say in church. Fine. How are you? Do- I'm fine. Everything Are you? Are you really fine? Not the answer that you think to project the image that you want to project to the world or that you project on your social media. How are you doing really? How are you doing underneath the surface. An easy way to look at this, I'm a visual person, so this helps me. I don't know a ton about icebergs. Maybe you know more than me, but I know this about icebergs. Most of it is under the surface, right? Most of it you can't see. Does Anybody remember the movie Titanic, right? It wasn't this that sunk the ship. Sorry, spoiler alert, the ship... And I say that with all sincerity because it was a tragedy, but the ship went down and it wasn't this that caused the ship to sink, it was what lies below the surface. And in the same way, you and I in our lives, we have kind of two different types of lives. We have an above the waterline type of life and a below the waterline. The above the waterline is, of course, what everybody can see. Maybe most people, some people sitting around you this morning, they know your name, they know your spouse, maybe they know your family or your kids or what school they go to or your, your hobbies or what your job is. All of that, that's great. The sports and the weather, the things we talk about at a surface level. But if we're honest, and I know that you long for this, there's way more to you than that. The deepest things about you are often the things that people can't see. And they're often the things that you and I keep hidden. Hidden. Our doubts, our fears, our pain, our unresolved wounds from the past, our lack of boundaries in our lives, our depression, our anxiety, and I just want to stop right here this morning and say, God cares about all of that. And maybe you walked in here this morning like, I got to put on my happy spiritual face because it's church. God wants to go below the waterline with you. And here's why. Because it's often the things, similar to the tragedy, it's often the things below the surface in our lives that cause the most damage. All of those things in our lives, the pain, the doubts, the fear, the guilt, the anxiety, the depression, all of those things are the things that cause the most damage. And the reason is they cut us off from the life that Jesus is offering to us. And so if we're honest, the last couple years have been brutal. Everybody talks about all the things have changed since COVID. One of the things we don't talk a lot about is the effect that it's had on us below the waterline in our lives. And so my challenge for you this morning and my question for you, wherever you are, what have you done with all of those feelings and emotions? Because often when you and I have feelings and emotions, we do one of two things. We shove it down or we inflict it on others. And if we shove it down for long enough, we end up inflicting it eventually. So the challenge for you is to deal with that in a healthy way, is to bring that to Jesus and say, man, it's COVID. It's it's racial and political divisiveness at an all-time high, and I've got all sorts of pain and angst and emotions and deep feelings and anger that are unresolved. What have you done with that. I mean, let's get really practical for a second. When, when is the last time that you walked up to somebody and said, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? And they responded, oh, never been better. I am so rested and refreshed. I get 12 hours of sleep at night. The kids do exactly what I tell them to do. I am so rejuvenated. I'm on fire for Jesus. I have a nice, sustainable pace and rhythm to my life. I'm just rocking it. How are you? My life is a train wreck, right? And so I think the, the laughter and the giggle speak directly to our problem. Things are not always what they seem on the outside when all these things are going on below the surface, and followers of Jesus are not immune to this. What I want to challenge you with and propose to you this morning is that you can be a full-time church attendee and a part-time disciple if large areas of your life remain untouched by Jesus, Mainly your mind and your body and your emotional health. And those things that I mentioned are just as spiritual as anything else that we will talk about from this stage. Jesus cares about all of it. And the good news is for us this morning is that God's word speaks directly, speaks directly to all those aspects of our lives. I love how Paul puts it in 1 Thessalonians. I don't know if there's any Thessalonians fans out there, but here you go. Let's read it together. You're the 930 service. You're well awake. Let's read it nice and loud together. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. When God created you and I, he created a whole being, a physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, mental, social being. And to deny Jesus access to those areas of our lives, to not care about how God created us as a whole being, is to push aside our humanity. This is who God created you to be. God is not just interested in your spiritual life, he's interested in your life all of it. And so over the next few weeks, I'm excited to kick off this series that we're going to be in. It's a new series we're starting today called Taking Care of You. And we're going to dive into what God's word has to say about all those areas of our lives about self-care. In fact, author Parker Palmer puts it this way. I love how he says, talks about self-care. He says, self-care is never a selfish act. Let's stop right there. Some of you think it is or we'd be doing a better job of it. I would be doing a better job of it. Because some of you are so wired up to meet all the needs and the demands of expectations of everybody around you, and it's taking its toll on the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is your body, your mind, and your soul that God has given you. It's something to think about. Is it worth destroying myself in order to meet the needs of other people? God would say no. into this sermon series and you're going to miss it. All the topics of self-care are going to go right over your head unless we address two things. Number one is that person looking back at you in the mirror. And I don't know, maybe I'm the only person that struggles with this and self-esteem and identity, but in the spirit of being real, if you can't look at that person in the mirror and believe that they're worth it, that you are a child of God, that you are his treasure, that you have been bought and purchased at a price by Jesus's death on the cross, why would you ever care about self-care? You think about the great commandment, right? Jesus says, love, Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as... Jesus is assuming that we don't just like ourselves, he's assuming that we love ourselves, You can't give away what you don't have. And the reason that you and I have such a hard time loving our neighbors sometimes is that we don't really care about ourselves. We don't love ourselves that well. We're not taking care of ourselves. You are the beloved. I don't care what value or worth you walked in here with this morning, but let me tell you not what I think, but what God thinks about you. You're lovable. You're worth it. You're worth taking care of. And Jesus cares about your heart. He cares about your depression and your anxiety. He cares about your depression and your anxiety. He cares about your broken heart from a relationship this morning. He loves you more than you'll ever know. And so to get tripped up in this adventure towards self-care is the very speed and pace of our life. Going below the surface requires that we slow down and take time. I've often heard it said our life, going below the surface requires that we slow down and take time. I've often heard it said that the devil doesn't need to, to take us out by because we're so busy and we're on the treadmill of life. And yet if we're honest, for a lot of us, the speed and the pace of which we live our lives is counterproductive to the life that we say we want, is to counterproductive to the life that Jesus wants. Offers us. In fact, there's a story told long ago. There was an American tourist. And he was going to go to Africa, and he was going to go on a big, week-long safari. And so he planned for this. He was a typical type A American tourist. Maybe he was an Enneagram 3 like me, and he had everything under control and lined up and and, and just so, you know. And he he had all his agendas and plans and itinerary. And he got there, and he even hired a group of locals to be his tour guide for this great safari through the jungle and the desert and, and to tour all around Africa. And so he gets there and he's got all of his tour guides and the first morning he shows them the plans and they get up early and they travel far and they travel fast and they stick according to the itinerary and everything's going great. The second morning they do the same thing. They get up early and they travel far and they travel fast and they're just going, going, going and they're getting everything done and they're being super productive. The third day they wake up the same thing, but everything changed on day four. They got up, and he was ready to go, and he walks out of his tent, and there he sees all of his guides, all the locals, just lounging underneath a giant African shade tree. And he is irate, because this goes on for half an hour. One, two, three hours. He's like, I paid good money for this. What is going on? we got to go. We've got things to do. We've got a schedule. We've got an itinerary. Let's go. And he looks at the translator and says, what is going on? To which the translator... (laughs) Steps back and calmly says, Sir, sir. (laughs) They are waiting for their souls to catch up with their bodies. And I think if there was a challenge for you and I in February of 2022, after everything that we've been through, that might just be what we need the most. Some of you have charged back into real life Now that it's somewhat normal again, whatever that means, you've gotten back on the treadmill and you've left your heart and your soul behind. So when somebody asks you, how are you doing? You go, busy? Is that everything that Jesus wants for you? When will you take the time to go below the waterline? Jesus wants to care for your soul. He wants to restore your soul. And so all throughout the Gospels, I love what Jesus does. In order to care for our souls, Jesus doesn't feed us the latest tips or techniques or uh, the latest fad or the latest self-care tips. In every situation, are you tired? Are you stressed? Are you overwhelmed? Are you burned out? Are you fearful about the future? Every single time, Jesus points people to himself. In fact, he does that here in Matthew. Are you overwhelmed? Are you burned out? Are you fearful about the future? Every single time, Jesus points people to himself. In fact, he does that here in Matthew. And learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, take my yoke, my teaching, my, my way of seeing life upon you and learn from me. Follow me. And that's our focus today in spirit, body, mind, soul. How can Jesus fill our spiritual tank? How can Jesus fill your cup to overflowing? If there was a tank up here and it was empty or kind of halfway or just a quarter full or maybe overflowing, how full is your spiritual tank today? How is your soul? How are things below the waterline? And Jesus wants to fill you up. And so the question we're going to tackle today is what habits, what daily rhythms, dare I say, what disciplines is Jesus inviting us into in order to care for our soul, in order to fill our spiritual tank? Now, I don't know about you, but when I say that word disciplines, I don't know what that conjures up and what kind of emotions that brings up inside of you, maybe heaviness or a burden or weariness. I can't remember the last time I asked somebody, hey, how do you feel about disciplines? Sign me up for that. I need some more discipline and some heavy loaded burdens in my life. Give me another checklist. Woo wee! I don't think so. We have this word for these things in the church. We call them spiritual. They don't think so. We have this word for these things in the church. We call them spiritual disciplines. And yet it's not always at the top of people's list because it just feels like a burden. I want to remind you it's okay to laugh in church. Sometimes spiritual disciplines feel like this with a little bit of help from our friends at Monty Python. Take a look. Don't I e is that about sums it up. So believe it or not, that is actual live footage of men's ministry here in the bridge last week. All the guys, I don't know what Pastor Andy's doing in there, but that's that's how we get God's word into our minds, I guess, is the new way. And we laugh and we chuckle, but that's it, right? For a lot of us, we're like, oh, I tried a Bible reading plan once. I tried setting up that daily prayer time with God. I try to worship weekly. I've tried silence and solitude, but it's just dry, and it's boring, and I'm not that into it. I mean, John, that's great for those super spiritual Christians, but I'm not planning on being a monk or a nun anytime soon. I have a life, and this is 2022, and this is where we get tripped up. Long before we get to this list of things that God calls us to, to the what of spiritual disciplines, we have to remember the why. Why are we doing these things? What is the inner motivation? What, what is, where does that desire come from inside of us? We get to the list of things we gotta do and they become I should do these things or I gotta do these things instead of I get to do these things. So often we go to the what before the why, and to get to the why, we have to remember not what we're called to do, but first, who we are. God wants to remind you of who you are. If you have your fingers still locked in Matthew 8, turn to Matthew chapter 28, and we're gonna camp out there for a little bit if you have your Bible or your Bible app. In Matthew chapter 28, you know the story, Jesus has died and rose again, he's ascending to heaven, and he's giving kind of his final words to his disciples. And he says this in Matthew 28, he says, "'Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Baptizing them in the name of the Father's Son. little Italian accent. Hey, baptizo. Sorry, that was kind of nerdy. Um, baptizo literally means to immerse. And so what Jesus is saying, and so what Jesus is saying here is that this isn't when we baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit or he dunk you, or sprinkle water, whatever it is. It's not some hocus-pocus. Jesus is actually telling us what's happening. That you are becoming a brand new person. Another way of looking at it is this. Our faith, particularly here in Matthew chapter 28, if you kind of pull this apart, has always been based on who God is and what he's done. So many of us love to skip to the end of this chart, right to what we do. We walk into a brand new church, and maybe some of you are new to hope. And you're like, "Okay, I want to get involved and be super busy for Jesus." And Jesus says, "That's not." And be super busy for Jesus, and Jesus says, "That's not what I want you to do." First of all, I want to remind you of who you are. This is why Jesus would get so upset with the Pharisees that we should do. And they forgot the inner motivation and the why of where that comes from. Because we've been baptized in the name of the Father, do you know that every single one of us has been adopted? We've been welcomed into God's family. We've been baptized in the name of the Son, which means Jesus has chosen you. He's called you to follow him every single day. We are his disciples. And we've been baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, which sends us and empowers us out as servants and missionaries. That then leads to what we do. These words, connect, grow, and serve, should sound very familiar to you because you walk past them on a giant blue banner that I can see right now outside the doors here in West Des Moines and chances are at some of our other locations as well. Connect, grow, serve. And that's not just some fancy church slogan we came up with. It's straight out of God's word. And so our message to you this morning is hope, be who you are, be you, be who God has called you to be. You are a family of missionary disciples. This is who God says you are. The question is, will you live like it's true? This is where the desire comes from. This is where the motivation comes from, is remembering who God is and what he has done for you. I will tell you this, that New Year's resolutions or goals or whatever you made a couple months ago, Most resolutions fail, not because of a lack of desire, but because of a lack of devotion. We forgot the fire inside of us. As Revelation says, you forgot your first love. You forgot your first love. And for some of you in February of 22, we need to go back to the basics and remember why we fell in love with Jesus to begin with, and for you in your hearts. To remember that, man, when I was lost when I was searching for belonging in my life, God reached out to me and he adopted me. I was looking for purpose in my life and I was following all these other ideas and then Jesus said, I've chosen you. You're my disciple. Come follow me. And last but not least, you know this morning that the Holy Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you today, hope, wherever you are and sends you out as servants and missionaries into a broken, lost, and hurting world. We're not playing church. This is the most important mission in the history of the world and some of you just need to be reminded Reminded of that. Be who you are. Go and be the church. Amen? That's God's call. That's who He's, you can clap for that absolutely. Now, some of you are like, that's God's call. That's who He's, you can clap for that absolutely. Now, some of you are like, whoa, that feels really overwhelming. Let me just raise them loud and proud out there, wherever you are, whatever campus, local site. Yeah, lots of parents. Do you remember? When you brought that first child home from the hospital, how just cute and tiny and cuddly they are, I remember that and now I'm throwing my son around my head and tossing him on the couch, you know? Things change a little bit. But you remember when you brought him home from the hospital as this little tiny being that you're now responsible, I mean, you would do anything for him. How fast did you drive home from the hospital that day? You remember, like 12.7 miles an hour on the interstate, right, precious cargo! responsible for another human life back here. Sorry, everybody, right? Do you remember um, how many dates that you got to go on the first few weeks after that? Do you remember how many nice, quiet, romantic evenings you had the first few months as a couple? Do you remember how clean your house was, give or take, for the first 18 years of their (laughs) life, right? Right? In other words, when the doctor placed that seven pound, 12 ounce baby boy, our son Caleb, into my arms, everything changed. Doesn't it, moms and dads, grandparents? Everything changes. I, I could try to go back to the way that I was living before, but I'm a dad now. I have a brand new identity, and I don't get to pick and choose what I do know. I'm going to step step into this. All I can do is receive the gift that I've been given and start to live a brand new life. I can't choose what I do know. I'm going to step, step into this. All I can do is receive the gift that I've been given and start to live a brand new life. I can't look at Tiffany and say, well, a whole new set of habits and rhythms and, dare I say, Disciplines that I get to step into not as a burden, but because of a gift of this brand new identity that I have. And why would it be any different for us as followers of Jesus? This is who we are. My identity fuels my activity. As followers of Jesus, our identity fuels our activity. You are a family of MIDI fuels my activity. As followers of Jesus, our identity fuels our activity. You are a family of stowed, not earned. And when it comes to your relationship with God, we do not do spiritual disciplines in order to earn God's love because you already have it. God has never loved you more than he loves you right now in this moment to earn God's love because you already have it. God has never loved you more than he loves you right now in this moment out of that. At the same time, we, don't, we know that we don't become disciples. We don't follow Jesus on accident. It comes from a life of intentionality and commitment. And nobody knows that better than the men and women that you and I are probably already started watching and will continue to watch over the next couple weeks. Take a look. I don't know about you, but when I watch things like that, something inside of me just goes, oh, it's like a spiritual experience almost, because it reminds me that I'm called to be a part of something bigger than myself, because it reminds me that I'm called to be a part of something bigger than myself. What if the point of spiritual disciplines was a little bit more like that? Because the reality is, is for every single one of those athletes, they didn't get to where they did on accident. They got there with a life of discipline and commitment and intentionality. And just as an aside, every single one of these athletes is like superhuman and these amazing sports that nobody else can do, and they train their whole lives for them. And then there's curling. Can we talk about... This looks like a group of dads from Minnesota that just showed up at the Olympics. Hey, we'll do it if nobody else wants to, right? I love these guys. It's like the Olympic Committee got together and said, look everybody, all of these sports are way too hard. We need some sort of activity that, you know, ordinary men and women can do. So let's get a giant rock. Let's see who can mop the floor the fastest and put it on ice and call it curling. Anybody's welcome. And I feel good about that. And why I love this example is like, Anybody can do, I'm sure it's a lot harder than it looks and they're really in shape. But, I don't know, they've kind of got some dad bods going there and I kind of (laughs) like it, okay? It's for everybody, Following Jesus is for everybody. Following Jesus is an all play. It's not just for monks and nuns. Following Jesus is this grand adventure that you and I get to be a part of every single day. But yet for these Olympians, they've reoriented every aspect of their life around an identity. I am an Olympian. Therefore, this is what my life looks like every day. Why would it be any different for us as followers of Jesus? life around an identity. I am an Olympian. Therefore, this is what my life looks like every day. Why would it be any different for us as followers of Jesus? Jesus said in order to live the life that Jesus lived. So often, you and I, when we read the Gospels, we focus on what Jesus said, and rightly so. But what we miss is that did in order to live the life that Jesus lived. So often, you and I, when we read the Gospels, we focus on what Jesus said, and rightly so. But what we miss is that for us, even in his humanity, a life of healthy habits and rhythms and discipline that allowed him to keep his spiritual cup overflowing. In fact, one of my favorite stories of Jesus is a little bit off the beaten path. It's right before the miracle of Jesus calming the storm, it's in Matthew chapter eight, and Jesus has been very, very busy. He's been healing people left and right. He's been teaching. He's been casting out demons. And most likely, Jesus is emotionally and mentally and physically exhausted. And yet, because of all these miracles he's been doing, he's a rock star. He's a celebrity. And so the crowds keep coming and pushing him back all the way to the seashore. And finally, he's teaching in a boat. And the crowds are coming right to the shore. And what does Jesus do? At the height of his popularity, he just to the seashore and finally he's teaching in a boat and the crowds are coming right to the shore and what does Jesus do at the height of his popularity he just leaves popularity I'm getting more likes and followers on Instagram I'm feeling really good about myself oh not to mention that I've been burning the candle at both ends and I haven't been respecting the boundaries and the limits that God's placed on my life and I'm exhausted and I'm tired of meeting the demands and the expectations of everybody around me and so I'll just keep going and burn out And instead, Jesus models something for us that we'll call benevolent detachment. Benevolent detachment. In other words, Jesus deeply cares about the people and the needs around him, and yet he doesn't let the people and the demands of life determine his priorities and boundaries around him. And yet he doesn't let the people and the demands of life determine his priorities and boundaries. Already crashed and burned. Not when it worked out for his schedule. I'm gonna for his schedule. I'm gonna go be with God after I do some more ministry, when it's the right season for me to get involved. I hear that one a lot. Left and took a pause in the middle of his day, right in the middle of the brokenness and the messiness of life. Jesus just left and took a pause in the middle of his day, right in the middle of the brokenness and the messiness of life. Not because he didn't care, but because he with the Father is where our strength and our rest and our life flow from. Strength and our rest and our life flow from. Some of you wonder why you're so overwhelmed and exhausted and stressed out all the time. Your life source. Jesus wants to fill you up. How did Jesus have the strength to do that? Because some of you are sitting there going, that's cute for Jesus, Pastor John, and everything, but people have expectations of me, and I have to cross over these limits and boundaries because I have to meet all the demands and expectations. How how did Jesus have the strength to do that? A few chapters before in Matthew chapter 3, God speaks, the voice of God from heaven comes over Jesus as he's baptized and he comes up out of the water and God says to Jesus, this is my son who I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus had received the blessing and the delight of his father and some of you need to hear that this morning. He delights over you. Not because of what you've accomplished or your title or your position. He loves you. Jesus shows us that when you've heard the whisper of heaven, you don't have to pander to the roar of the crowd. Of heaven, you don't have to pander to the roar of the crowd. When you've heard that you need to bring some benevolent detachment into your day, into your week, Jesus lived in this constant connection with the Father. And when you and I make disciplines, even things to follow Jesus, some sort of checklist, we forget the fact that disciplines apart from relationship are empty. Disciplines apart from Jesus are empty. The question is never, how can I get through my list or complete my small group study or get all the blanks filled out or take disciplines apart from Jesus are empty. The question is never, how can I get through my list or complete my small group study or get all the blanks filled out or take this class or join that? Being with the people you love. You don't have to think about it when you get together with your spouse or your kids or your best friend or your family. Oh, I'm going to go through my checklist of all the things I need to do to be in good relationship with them. You just delight in doing it. Hypothetical situation. Let's say that I'm coming home and I'm getting, getting home at the end of a long day My wife and the kids are home, and I'm coming through the door. And let's say I'm just rocking it as a husband. I'm just hitting on every cylinder, and I've got a big bouquet of flowers right behind my back, which is actually very hypothetical because if it was actual and it was my wife, it would be a wad of cash and a Starbucks gift card. So let's just say that. You got it. So, but let's just say for this example, it is a giant bouquet of flowers. And I come through the door, and I fling the door open, and I say, Honey, I'm home! Because I do this every time that I come in. I say, honey, I'm home, and I'm trying to be all romantic, and so I don't just walk over to her, you know, kind of guys take notes here. I kind of sashay over, you know, and I've got the flowers um, behind me, and I say, honey, I wanted to surprise you because I love you so much. Look what I got you, and she goes, oh, and she's just, sw- and I say, honey, I wanted to surprise you because I love you so much. Look what I got you. And she goes, oh, and she's just swooning and she's swept off her feet. And she, oh, this actually, I did need to, to fulfill checklist item number 4.2 on the how to be a good Christian husband list. So I can check that one off for the day, get wife flowers, smile, act romantic, done for a week. <laughs> and she's sitting there going, no that's not what I want. I don't want your duty. I want you. That's all I've ever wanted is you. Your heavenly father says, that's all I've ever wanted. I love your church attendance. I want you. That's all I've ever wanted is you. Your heavenly father says, that's all I've ever wanted. I love your church attendance. My challenge to you today is what if you stop trying to impress everybody and stop trying to impress God and just let him love you? Let, let yourself delight in him. How do you get there? Three keys to take home with you today. How do we get there? Where do you start to fill your spiritual tank? Number one, start small. Some people get all gung-ho. I'm gonna read the Bible or I'm gonna pray. Some people start one of those daily Bible reading plans and maybe you did that you're like, I'm gonna read the Bible in a year. I'm awesome, so I'm gonna do it in a month. So here I go, Bible, Genesis, yeah, Exodus, whoa, Leviticus, no, thank you. <laughs> and you're like, forget it, I'm done. You're like, forget it, I'm done with the Bible, it's weird. You start to pray and you doze off or whatever it is and you lose track, you get distracted. Start five minutes, go to 10 minutes and you'll find yourself, I just love being with Jesus and so I don't really need to have a timer on my phone next to me anymore anymore because I just love being and then add a little bit as you go in your worship and your prayer in your tithing start at 2% or 5% and work up to 10% give more than that if God lays it on your heart to do so make weekly worship a non-negotiable in your family schedule say we're going to serve together we're going to go raid Hy-Vee this week and get all the groceries we can and bring them for the food drive next week because we should no because this is who we are we're servant leaders. This is our identity. This is what we do. Start small. Start small and grow slow. Pastor Caroline wrote out an awesome spiritual disciplines class that starts next weekend. It's online. You can take it, go deeper. with. Start small. Secondly, don't train alone. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that Christianity is not an individual sport. We're called to do it together. And there's so many great things that you can do with the different Bible apps or the, the YouVersion Bible app. You can do it with friends. You can study in groups. There's so many great things that you can do with the different Bible apps or the, the YouVersion Bible app. You can do it with friends. You can study in groups. You want to really understand the Bible? Do it in community. That I use, that our family really loved, it's called, it's called the pause app. And you can just set it two or three times a day to just go off right in the middle of your day. And it interrupts you. And it guides you through some, some, some guided prayers that's simply this. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. As you're driving to work, as you're going into that tough meeting at work, as you're dropping your kids off at soccer practice, as you're going to the gym and you come home for the day, What if you prayed that all throughout your day? Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you. I'm pausing right now because I don't want 10 minutes of God time in the morning. I want my entire life to be saturated with your presence to you. I'm pausing right now because I don't want 10 minutes of God time in the morning. I want my entire life to be saturated with your presence. Your eyes on Jesus. He's the point. He always has been the point. He is the why behind the what, the fuel to your fire, the one who can fill your cup. It's always been about Jesus. Author Donald Miller wrote a book to your fire, the one who can fill your cup. It's always been about Jesus. Author Donald Miller wrote a book several years ago called Blue Book. He says, I know a guy named Alan that went around the country to big churches and asking pastors and ministry leaders questions. He went to these successful churches and he asked the pastors what they were doing and why it was successful. He said it sounded all very boring except one visit that he made to a man named Bill Bright who was the president of a big ministry. Alan said he was a big man full of life and he listened without shifting his eyes. And Alan asked him a bunch of questions and I don't know what they were, but the last question that he asked Dr. Bright was, what does Jesus mean to you? Let's go back to your first love. What does Jesus mean to you? And he said Dr. Bright could not answer the question. He said he just started to cry. He sat there in his big chair behind his big desk and just wept. Miller writes, when I told Alan that story, I wondered, when Alan told me that story, I wondered what it would be like to love Jesus that way. I wondered, quite honestly, if either this Bill Bright guy was nuts or if he really knew Jesus in such a real and personal way that he would start crying at the very mention of his name. Miller writes, I wonder what it would be like to love Jesus like that. Not just with my head. Miller writes, I wonder what it would be like to love Jesus like that. Not just with my head, but with my heart. It's the key to everything. To self-care, to your New Year's resolutions and your goals, to loving your family well, and to, fo- to your New Year's resolutions and your goals, to loving your family well, and to following Jesus every single day let and you're hurting and you're lost and you're alone and you're afraid come to Jesus all you who are weary and he will give you rest and he will restore your soul and he will light your fire again and he will remind you of why you're here in the first place that there is a God that loves you with a love that is more powerful than any other force in the universe and if you would open up your heart this morning you might just experience that love in a brand new way morning, you might just experience that love in a brand new way. He loves you so much, and he wants to fill up your spirit. Sometimes the best spiritual discipline is to simply be with Jesus, and that's what his disciples were doing on the night that he was betrayed. When Jesus took the bread and he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, take and eat, this is my body broken for you. After supper, he took the cup, after he'd given thanks, he said, take and drink, this is the new covenant in my blood. This is my promise to you, that I will wash you clean and forgive all of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Before we receive the bread and the wine, let us pray together. Wherever you're at, online, here in the room, let's pray together the prayers of me. Before we receive the bread and the wine, let us pray together. Wherever you're at, online, here in the room, let's pray together the prayer Jesus taught us, our Lord's Prayer. As it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you're here in the room evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you're here in the room, you can grab your communion kit or whatever you have. Go ahead and take whatever wine or juice you might have at home or wherever you're worshiping from. Take that second layer off and receive the juice. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Doesn't matter if it's bread or wine or if it's a COVID friendly communion kit. Jesus is here. And Jesus lives in you. And now it gives me great joy to remind you this morning that as you have received the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that your sins are forgiven and that you've been given a fresh start in his grace. We and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that your sins are forgiven and that you've been given a fresh start in his grace.